today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. singing the hymns that he wrote. He's praying the prayers that are part of the liturgy. But David acts as though nothing is wrong. And those around him perhaps thought, nothing's wrong. But God knows. He sees. And God's working behind the scenes in the life of David change David's heart. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet We as humans have a remarkable ability to develop a sort of subconscious autopilot for things we do on a regular basis. Whether it's work-related tasks or a passionate hobby, we all have this inherent ability to become efficient with less effort. Unfortunately, we can sometimes put our spiritual life on autopilot as well. In today's message, Pastor Ed teaches us the importance of self-reflection in our spiritual lives. In our study, we are reminded of the need for regular repentance and analysis of the heart. Now, here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Road to Recovery. Varsity Press put out a book called Hope Has Its Reasons. In that book, the author, Rebecca, drew a contrast between her class and graduate studies in psychology at Harvard and her small group Bible study. She said in her class at Harvard, in the psychology class, they were very open, very honest, very transparent. They would talk about problems they had with anger, with forgiveness, with fear. But she said when she went to her small group, they didn't talk about any of their problems. It was as though they had everything all together. They talked about God's answers. And she said there was a real contrast in the class on psychology They talked about problems, but they didn't have solutions. And in the small group that she was a part of, they talked about answers and and promises, but it was like they really didn't have any problems at all. There was a study in 2005 done by Georgetown University on Catholics. And they talked about the traditions in the Catholic Church. Only 2% of Catholics practice going to confession on a regular basis. It reminds me of what Carl Menninger, the great psychiatrist, said in his book, Whatever Happened to Sin? He said, either we redefine it or we suppress it. It seems like in the secular culture, we're redefining sin. And in the church, we don't really talk about it and don't really want to acknowledge 
that we are sinners. Howard Schultz, back in early 1980s, worked for Starbucks. And in 85, he left the company. But in 87, he came back and he actually bought Starbucks. And he was a catalyst to make Starbucks a great company it is today. Uh, he stepped down in 2000, but in 2008, when the company began to go through very difficult times because of the bad economy and all that was happening in the economy, uh, he was invited back as the uh, CEO. And when he came back, he said, we have to acknowledge that we've made mistakes. In fact, I'd like to quote him. He said this in an interview. He said, we have to admit to ourselves and to the people of this company that we own the mistakes we made. And that became a turnaround point in Starbucks. And in all of our lives, there has to come a time when we acknowledge our mistakes. That's really the road to recovery. And we've been following the life of David. David missed it big time. He failed royally. He committed sin, the sin of adultery, he took another man's wife. She became pregnant. Bathsheba was with child... He tried to bring her husband back and just uh, set it up so that they would have intimate relationships and then he would think it was his child. But Uriah was too loyal a man. He felt that he should have been at the battlefront and he just remained in the king's court sleeping with the servants. He says, how can I enjoy my wife and my home? If Joab the general, if my friends are out on the battlefront, he was one of David's 30 mighty men. And David thought, well, maybe I'll get him drunk. But still, Uriah was loyal to his country, to his God, in a drunken state, far more loyal than David in a sober state. David gives him a command, a sealed envelope. Says, bring it to Joab. And in that envelope, in that sealed letter, was Uriah's death warrant. Joab set the battle up and pulled back, and Uriah was killed. And Bathsheba mourns for the seven days, and then David takes her as his wife, and claims that the baby is his own. And he goes on like this for over a year. The child is maybe two or three months old now. And David is acting as though nothing is wrong. He's going to church. He's singing the hymns that he wrote. He's praying the prayers that are part of the liturgy. But David acts as though nothing is wrong. And those around him perhaps thought, nothing's wrong. 
But God knows. He sees. And God's working behind the scenes in the life of David to change David's heart. Later on, when David repents, he reflects back on that time. This is what he says. It's found in Psalm 32. Uh, There were no songs, no hymns written during this time away from God. But when he came back, he recorded in Psalm 32. He said, when I refused, he speaks of the conviction that was upon his life. When I refused to confess my sins, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long, day and night. Your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in summer heat. See, David could play the part. He played it well. But inside, there was something wrong. Inside, he was broken. It reminds me of our nation. It reminds me of this country. We want to deny that sin exists. We want to exclude and push God out of our lives. And then we think that we can enjoy everything that he has given us and blessed us with. Solomon said, it's God that gives man the power to enjoy life. We could surround ourselves with all the toys our arms can hold, but it doesn't mean we have the capacity to enjoy them. I wonder if that's why our nation is in the state it is. David, for 12 long months, felt the heavy hand of God upon him, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's important that we listen to conscience. Conscience is God's voice to our hearts. It's God's megaphone to our spirits. But when you silence, when you stop When you bury conscience, you do it to your own harm. You can be driving and those idiot lights go on in the car. You know, those red lights. Something's wrong with your engine. Something's wrong with the cooling system. Something's wrong with the braking system. You could simply choose to ignore and maybe something won't happen immediately. But eventually... That engine may cease. Those brakes may no longer work. Conscience is is like brakes on a car. If they're broken, you'll wind up having an accident. And in David's life, he had silenced conscience. And because of that, adultery, led to a cover-up, led to a murder, led to hypocrisy. One sin falling on the heels of another. A long train of tragedy. We must let God fine-tune our conscience. 
I like the words that were written, conscience is like a sundial. When the truth of God shines upon it, it points the right way. God, speak. Don't silence his conscience. Don't silence your conscience. Don't run from the still, small voice that points out the way that God has for us. What happens is God is like the hound of heaven. He just doesn't let us go and run our own way. The most happy person in the world is a believer who has silenced his conscience and is living and going in the wrong direction. They can't be happy. That's what's happening in David's life. Uh, Now, God is going to try and speak to him first in his heart. God is going to try and speak first in his soul. But David's not listening. So David chooses a friend. God chooses a friend. His name was Nathan. He was a prophet. He had given David words before, words of great encouragement Words that strengthened David, encouraged David. When he said, David, God's going to build you a house. You wanted to build him a house, but God's plan is to build you a house. A lasting dynasty. Nathan was a gift from God to keep the king on the right path. Now, God had given The first king, a gift like that, his name was Saul. He had given him Samuel. Samuel was that voice of God to the prophet Saul. But Saul, when confronted with his sins, made excuses. Oh, it was the people. I've really kept the commands of the Lord. Finally, when he was pushed in the corner, Saul said what David said. He said, I have sinned. But tagged along that when Saul said, I've sinned, he said, oh, honor me before the people. See, it was just about appearances. But for David, when he said, I sinned, it was his heart responding to God's voice, to conviction. It was a broken and a contrite heart. Let me ask you a personal question. When God wants to get through to you, when you're going in the wrong direction, when you've made decisions that have repercussions that are going to just come back on your life with disaster, who will God use that you will listen to? See, there's a big difference between being a truth teller. Oh, that's easy. It's easy for us to see the faults and failures in others. Uh, We can spot it a mile away. We could see it in our brother and sister, uh, and we could name it one by one. But when it comes to seeing our own sin, well, it's much more difficult. That's hard. It's easy to be a truth teller. It's much harder to be a truth receiver. Who can God use in your life? 
who have you given permission to to come into you and say, you've sinned, you've failed, you're on the wrong track. David opened his heart to Nathan. Saul closed his heart to the gift of Samuel the prophet. Would to God that he would speak to us in our prayer room. Would to God when we come before him in prayer and the spirit just comes into that room where you're praying, we would have a sensitivity to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listen, listening. And we might say, oh, Lord, I am the man. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Would to God that our hearts would be like that. That he wouldn't have to send the Nathans, but sometimes he does. But when he does, do we say, Lord, here I am. That confrontation. I want to ask you a question. Why? Why? As Christians, we know we're sinful. Why then is it so painful to be confronted with a specific sin? Answer that question in your own heart. What did David do? David confessed. He didn't hide it. He didn't bury it. He didn't take the axe and chop Nathan's head off. No, he listened. In verse 13, you see this confession. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, now, there's a lot of things that we'd like to claim for ourselves. A lot more credit than we ever deserve, but that's one of the things we like to claim. But we don't like to claim our problems. Listen to David's words in the psalm he wrote shortly after, confronted by Nathan the prophet. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Notice, my, my. He's acknowledging it's not my, the fault of that beautiful seductress Bathsheba. Oh God, I was so tired and weary from fighting all the battles. And I just stumbled in. No. He recognizes the sinfulness for what it is. I like the message translation of verses 3 to 5 in Psalm 51. David says, I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. You're the one I violated. You've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time. In the wrong since I was born. Notice that David says, I've sinned against you, Lord. See, all sin ultimately is against God. He's the lawgiver. He's the sovereign. He makes up the rules. We're accountable to him. Yes, we sin against one another. But ultimately, the God who created the law, the God who is the sovereign of the universe, we're responsible to him. 
It doesn't matter that other kings would have said to David, David, we've done that too. You're a king. You can do what you want. It really doesn't matter much what the culture may say. It does matter what God says. And David at that moment is going to confess his sins to God. Confession is taking and being specific before God. In confession, we open our lives to healing, reconciling, restoring, uplifting grace of God who loves us in spite of what we are. God loves us because who he is, because who he is. Watch the cleansing. Now David's going to cry out because sin, it gets into our being. It gets into our bones. It gets into our psyche. And so David realizing how deep sin affects us in 2 Samuel 12, 13, he said, I've sinned against the Lord and the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die, David. David confessed, and God mitigated, lessened the results of his sowing of sin. See, God will do that. Uh, God will do that in our life. And God did that in David's life. He's going to cleanse him. He's going to take away his sin. He should have died, but he doesn't. And here's what's going to happen. You see David saying to God, God, in Psalm 51 again, he says, blot out, cancel that record out. And then he says, wash away, and then cleanse me. The idea of cleansing is a, a leprosy. He says, Lord, get that leprosy of sin that's spreading throughout my soul. Get it out. Psalm 32 is another psalm that he wrote after Psalm 51 in this period of time. Listen to what David says. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. That's what David does. That's what he does. He goes before God. God cleanses him, and he knows the guilt is washed away. He knows the sin is cleansed. He knows he's been forgiven. But it doesn't mean that all the consequences are eradicated. Because there are consequences to sin. You set in motion a chain of events. And that's what's happening in David's life. In Psalm 99 verse 8 it says, O Lord our God, you answered them. Speaking of the Jewish people, the Israelites. You were a forgiving God to them. But you punish them when they went wrong. God loves us too much to let us get away with our sins. He disciplines. He speaks to our hearts. And the psalmist recognizes that. He says, God, you forgive us. You're merciful to us. But we don't get away with things. Nathan came and told him that story. Nathan, a master preacher and storyteller, wants to capture David's mind and attention. And when he goes in to confront him, he just doesn't go right in and confront him. He, he tells him a story. 
As Dr. Ed Jones continues to take us on a journey through the story of David, we continue to learn more about what a life lived for God can look like. David wasn't perfect by any means, but God used him in powerful ways, and he can use you too. We do hope that you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find an archive of previous messages available to listen to or download or even share with someone you feel will be impacted by the message. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well by searching for Faith AG2. We know how important social media is in people's lives today and by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We'd also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly time of fellowship, Bible teaching, and worship of our Savior. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Give us a call for directions and to find out more about our congregation at 845-462-5955. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God, sharing with us new chapters in David's story. Your word restores it.